Good afternoon, and welcome to MGO Podcast. Welcome to MGO Podcast 14.2. That was decisive. that the Big Ten has finally decided to use relegation. Wait, what? Well, if you watched any football yesterday, clearly the Big Ten East is Division One, and the <laughs> Big Ten West, not so much. Uh, what about Illinois? Uh, yeah. Illinois lost to Indiana, who's in the East Division. Okay, so that's how... Yeah, so they're, they're going to play their way up. Wait. Right. So, so they're going to join... They're going to join the Big Ten East... And we're going to send down... Who we send down now? Indiana. I mean, they lost Illinois. That's true. No, they didn't. I mean, this this was actually my hot take on, on after the UCLA and USC editions is that they should do this. Well... It was time. It's not what, even a relegation? hot take anymore. It's just... Yeah. This is what we... It's 16 teams. quote unquote, east and west. But you got that's, Big Ten 1 and Big Ten 2. That's a lot. Right. When you go to 20 teams and they're both 10, so you're Big Ten again. <laughs> That's actually pretty good. All right, and the and the little we we could do eighteen Big Ten Little Eight. That kind of goes back to the the old traditions. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny too. I, I liked it when you put Rutgers in their own conference. Can we do that again? It was Rutgers in Maryland. I mean, they might. No, Maryland serve. does not deserve that. No, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, Maryland is like forever. But, They're just like we're not friends with these people. So the, so the setup was that there were two divisions, and one had twelve teams, and one was just Maryland and Rutgers playing each other on a loop. <laughs> Which is just so unfair to Maryland. They like, I mean, they, do you believe Maryland? They say they're not friends, but how do you know? Because they they don't they they complain every time they try to make that the, the, words, the last game. The words the unfair to Maryland do not compute <laughs> in my brain. <laughs> the, Maryland Maryland should be like, yes, sir, whatever, whatever you want, sir. <laughs> just keep sending money our way, sir. <laughs> yeah. And if they were in the ACC, they could play Notre Dame. Anyway, we we should talk about a couple of things. One. Uh, is our my, sponsors? Uh, my lovely segue into our sponsors. Yay! Yay! You didn't even have that. to help him this no, week. No, he was doing it all by himself. Sometimes you have to let go of the seat. One time, the child Carl Grapentine had to do it for him. <laughs> okay, you guys are being dicks, so I'm not going to do it. <laughs> Thank you to Underground Printing for making this all possible. Rishi and Ryan have been our biggest supporters from the beginning. Check out their wide selection of officially licensed Michigan fan gear. There are three store locations in Ann Arbor, or learn about their custom apparel business at undergroundshirts.com. We'd also like to thank our associate sponsors, Homeshire Landing, Peak Wealth Management, Ann Arbor Elder Law, Michigan Law Grant, Human Element, the Phil Klein Insurance Group, Prentice 4M, and Venue, where we recorded this, The Nosebleeds, which is the Scarborough's new show on UFC Fight Pass, and introducing to the podcast our longtime ticket partners, Ticket IQ. Can I add, by the way, that Hail the Victors, the book, the print version, is actually at Underground Printing now. So if you go into one of those stores, it's the only place you can get a copy, and we're, we're selling out fast, so. Well... 
that's remarkable. Yeah. <laughs> that, that we got a book out this year? Yes. I mean, there's a good argument that, like, I had until after UConn to actually get this thing out. It's true. It's just, I mean, and that's you a good Iowa? That's a, that's, <laughs> I mean, you might have had longer. That's a good segue into this uh, football-type game substance. Mm-hmm. Delayed an hour by some inclement weather and over before it started. But you can't start talking about this game without talking about J.J. McCarthy. Yeah. He was 11-12 on the day. And the number 12 was a straight drop from uh, Ronnie Bell on a throw directly in his face mask that he was going to run for 30 yards on. And it looks at first blush like it was a little behind him, but if he leads him at all, it is a PBU by the linebacker and maybe a pick six. So McCarthy literally puts the ball in the best spot that you can. And like a little behind him is not like I got to turn my body. It's just like, yeah, I mean, that was, that's going to be a three in the charting. Like it's not going to be a tough catch. Yeah. It's uh, so, uh, and he also runs once for 16 yards, which is, I think, important. And pushes Eric all in front of him as to, like, go get this mm-hmm. guy. Right. And has excellent pocket presence, hits some deep shots, and then there are a number of throws mixed in there that are opponent variant, particularly the RPO to Bell for a touchdown and the throw down the sideline to Donovan Edwards. Mm-hmm. And Would you include the Cornelius Johnson bomb, too? Because he hit him in stride on that yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, the Cornelius Johnson bomb, too. The, and the... The Wilson one was too open <laughs> to be a do. <laughs> no, he, he did. No. I mean, because it was. You're, hold on a second. That's not fair because Roman Wilson got that open against Georgia last year. So, like, oh, you I'm need saying, to ha- be able to make that throw I'm saying, when no, you know you have some space. Both safeties came up for some ungodly reason, <laughs> and then they had some sort of linebacker type creature. Uh-huh. On Roman Wilson, <laughs> Eight, yeah, it was like a 190 pound linebacker, and it was it was good that McCarthy saw the situation and was like, "All right, I'm not going to overthrow this." Period. Mm-hmm. But it's too easy of a throw to be a deal, <laughs> despite being a 44 yard touchdown. That's the Hawaii factor. I I've seen too many bombs missed not to like at least credit that at two. Yeah, Donovan Peoples Jones is like, "Come on, man." <laughs> <laughs> I I. Guys, I, I don't know what to tell you. That's not going to be a deal. It's <laughs> just catching up. Oh. This is why we throw. pick on you in the opening. That was, I mean, fine. <laughs> go ahead. I got I got standards. <laughs> we got standards at this blog. <laughs> don't include promptness. <laughs> we shouldn't talk about those standards. So, anyway. well, I mean, I know people are tuning in right now for our deep analysis on the quarterback battle that they only need us to it's break over. down. <laughs> it was how fast My- that it's over. My, my just, response is, what competition? Well, we had the, in the post-game press conference, Jim Harbaugh's like, yeah, he's going to start UConn. He earned it. And it's not like he had to go back and check the tape. <laughs> <laughs> hey, guys, look, give me a second here. Okay, we're going we're gonna to go back and look at things and, and see who made the right. Because there's some things that not the, the fans don't see. Like, Right. We're going to go back and we're going to talk about it. Yeah. We're going to make a decision. No, he's like, it's J.J. McCarthy. There is show. one. There is one. There was one what? Cade McNamara moment in this game. Okay. I don't know if either one of you picked it out, but he <laughs> he comes to the line. He sees that uh, one of the the defensive end is shading inside the B gap, uh-huh. uh, and he's like he's pressing, and he goes, "Oh, he changes the run call to a to a power run out the outside that pushes that guy in, mm-hmm. and he actually moves out." And then dives into that same B gap. Michigan is ready for it, and Quorum gets a big long chunk. That's the second play. 
No, first no, one. no, no, no. That's not McCarthy. This was McNamara and his. No, no, no. His second drive. play, McNamara, McNamara was McNamara in. Drive. Yeah, he, he hits Bell for like nine yards. Yeah, and then Quorum gets the chunk run on the right side. Right, and the yeah. chunk run, chunk run, I thought was set up by McNamara seeing the defense and checking into the better run call. Okay, there it is. Uh, however, <laughs> this is. This feels about as relevant as talking about the really nice throw Davis Warren made at this point. I mean, that is worth talking about as well. Yeah, especially if, like, Cade's just like, all right, well, that's uh, that's it, you know? Well, so I think the most likely scenario is that Cade McNamara is your number two for the rest of this year and yeah. then transfers somewhere, mm-hmm. hopefully out of the division. <laughs> Can you think of any scenario where we have a Cade package? Is there, like, a, a, a thing that you need Cade to come in and do? No. You know where he could go? Notre Dame. <laughs> I think Notre Dame's get a. Can we add them to the Big Ten just for I this mean, week? Did you so watch Jamie any of that Marshall game? Yes, There's, I did. There is a there is a reason why Brian Kelly went out and got Jack Cohen last year. Yeah. Well, in, in any case, let's anyway, focus yes, on. Sorry. So you're watching this game, and there's a guy running a two yard drag route. McCarthy like, loading up on. Please hit this drag route. <laughs> 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 because. He's got everything else, right? Uh-huh. Like, he can run the ball. He, he's he got deep bombs. Like, is he seeing the field in front of him, and is he making the easy throws? Those were, like, the only things I was worried about in this game. Mm-hmm. And he didn't just make all the easy throws. The ones that needed velocity, he put velocity on. The ones that didn't need velocity, he didn't put velocity on. He gave everybody a chance to run after the catch. Mm-hmm. Like, even considering the opponent, this was the kind of performance that gets you hyped up for like, wow, where is this guy going? Yeah. Well, I mean, like you said, how how many of those throws are completely opponent invariant? Like you're going to see an opportunity against Iowa where like if the first guy misses you and now you're rolling out to the left and you have to throw across your body to the corner of the end zone and you've got like two feet that you can put the ball in where Cornelius Johnson can get to it. And he made that throw. Yeah. But, and his pass blocking was fantastic. <laughs> he was a much That's... better pass blocker than Cade McNamara. <laughs> oh, so the the interesting thing is, I went back and I rewatched all of his throws, and all of them are different. Like they gave him a lot of different throws. Like it's actually a competition. Like it's or not this competition, but an audition, and saying, mm-hmm. "Okay, here's our checklist." Make this one. Make this one. And, I mean, you had cross routes. You had the bell sit down inside the zone catch. You had um, the go route or the RPO go route to Wilson. He also threw the one down the sideline to Edwards. He had the deep post, like you'd mentioned. There was the tight end rollout. I mean, all these throws are sort of, okay, this is what we could do. This is what we could do. It wasn't like, oh, just sit back and just hit an easy throw over the middle. It's let's run these things. And, I mean, he threw strikes on all of them. Yeah. Slant route to Bell. I mean, that was a good throw. And then the underneath one, maybe you could debate on third and ten with, with to Bell where he's going to be short of the first down. Should he look further down the field? You know, I don't know. But I couldn't see the all-22. But all these throws were like, these are different things. I was waiting for the deep out. I was I said, I was like, I had my chart because I, I kept thinking, this is a different throw. This is a different throw. Yeah. And I'm like, when are they going to throw a deep out? And they threw an out route like two, yeah. the two uh, <laughs> drives later. So the way that this all went down i think people i don't know in the pre- in the preseason people are like ah there's it's something to rabble about right uh but it feels like this was executed in the best way possible you have an on-field addition for both guys they both get three quarters mm-hmm. of a game worth of snaps and it's clear who the guy should be 
And I think that Cade McNamara is probably upset today. Yeah. But he's upset in a way where it's like, well, what, are, what other choice do they have? Yeah. Like, if he has any sort of frame of reference for his own performance, it's got to be like, yeah, he, he won the job. And the rest of the team knows that, too. Yeah. Well, they they had to – you had a situation where your quarterback was your leader. He's the captain. He's the guy who led you to a Big Ten championship. That guy deserves more than just a straight-up competition. And I think they gave him that. They gave him the first start. They gave him the, the first snaps. They gave him the captainship. And they said – Every opportunity you have to win this, you're, you got the advantage. And I think it was ridiculous when people were saying, like, oh, you know, he's starting J.J. against Hawaii because they're the worst defense. Like, he gave Cade every single opportunity, including when Cade was doing terrible in the, and we'd already seen enough in this game. Right. He still kept him in there long after the rest of the starters were out. Bringing well, back the first team OL, yeah. mind you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so there was that the drive where the second team OL was in and they got whipped for – and so – Harbaugh's like, all right, we're going to put the first team in. We're going to see what you can do. And I think that's when he threw the interception. The first play he threw the pick. Yeah. Yeah. Which was telling. <laughs> yeah, it was a contrast <laughs> Yeah, to, to to McCarthy, right? Because if McCarthy's making that throw, one thing it's not going to be is too short and into the inside. Right. That's just not something that is. Unless it's DNA. going 100,000 miles an hour because he thought his guy was going to stop right there. Right. And so, I don't know. I think that it's possible that the notion of McNamara looking over his shoulder did make his performance worse. Mentally, sure. Like, I can't explain his dip in performance any other way Mm -hmm. because what we've seen from the last two games is much worse than what we saw from the back half of last season. And so that's still most of our data about about McNamara. And what we're going to see from him going forward if he has to be on the field, it has to be better than that. But, I mean, it's a stay-ready kind of situation. And then in the first game... When McNamara was struggling, the the announcers were like, "Oh, I don't know. So this is why I don't like this whole like quarterback rotation thing that Michigan has." And I'm like, "Dude, if you can't handle the mental pressure of having a competitor on the same team as you, what's going to happen when you go into Ohio State? And this time, like, it's not going to be the Hassan Haskins show. Mm-hmm. It's going to be on you, right? Uh, and it's a road game. <laughs> this is not going right. to be Aiden so, Hutchinson's going to bail you out by getting a plus forty five on the UFR. So it's like." This was a useful test, I think, in terms of, like, there's a competition and you have a few snaps to prove yourself. And who steps up to the plate? Well, J.J. McCarthy did resoundingly. Yeah. Like, it felt like the pressure got to Cade McNamara and J.J. McCarthy didn't even notice it. It's, I mean, you you could get into all these things and I... I have a very hard time diagnosing the psychology of quarterbacks because, like, I feel like we see a little bit and then take that way out of bounds, like, yeah. way more than people understand. Um, I mean, it could just be Cade cannot play at night games in <laughs> Michigan Stadium because, like, the only other performance that was okay, that's nearly a, as that's bad a as weirder this one. theory than mine. Though. I know, but <laughs> but, but I'm, I'm just saying you don't you have no idea what's like the, the actual psychological thing going on, but. What do you want Harbaugh to do? You've got J.J. McCarthy. This guy is on a star track. You have that potential. You're seeing what we saw against Hawaii in practice. Like, they're watching that kind of play all the time. You have that guy. What do you want him to do? Like, just say, no, the senior starts? Yeah, it's not 1985 anymore. Yeah. You had a good point. To build on that, what I want to say is I was walking away from the stadium, and the thing that kind of came to my head was it feels like Harbaugh – knew what was going to happen, and he couldn't pull McNamara out. 
he had to show Cade, he had to show JJ, he had to show the team, he had to show the Michigan Athletic Department, then he had to show the fans. And what's the way I can do that? And mm-hmm. it's by giving McNamara those looks and then saying, okay, I gave you your shot. I said you were equal. you both starting 50-50. And since you did what you did last year, I'm giving you the first crack. And then I'm going to, like, rip the, the sh- sheet off of my Megazord and be like, I also have this. And, <laughs> like, what do you, what do you want? Like, but, oh. right? I mean, yeah. it, it just seems like that's – Harbaugh was like, I have to prove it to everyone, and this is this is the way you have to do it. Right. So now you have that performance is undeniable, yeah. and we know what's going to happen going forward, and whatever controversy or upset was inv- inevitably going to happen, I think has been minimized. Like I can't say that Cade McNamara is going to be no. happy or unhappy. No, and but there's going to be like there's probably a Cade side, like oh you should you didn't see them in practice where like JJ was throwing sure. more interceptions. There's going to be other but like but th- I mean there were people on uh, on Twitter who were like Team Cade, uh huh, and now they're like uh, <laughs> those same people. I'm really I'm really upset at myself because I, I mentioned this when I did the five questions five answers how I like deleted I like typed. <laughs> a guy's name and then explain why my pick was and then I deleted it all and picked the other guy and then deleted it all and picked the other guy and I was like my coin flip came up wrong oh uh, it's I mean Cade is a much better quarterback than we saw last night yeah but also he's never touched what JJ McCarthy could do no and if, and if McCarthy is even in the same planet in terms of running an offense making the reads he's, he's the guy absolutely and now I think we can talk about something else Davis Warren <laughs> Do you want to talk about Davis Ward? That was a great throw. It was. I mean, yeah. Somebody whispered to me, "Is he our backup?" Yeah, uh, it's yeah. That's yeah. <laughs> that's that's some hot taking there. That's. that's I mean, it was third quarter. Of there's the, like a the a fifteen percent chance that's going to be one of the scores hot takes. No, I. <laughs> no, I mean, so what wasn't a hot take is that Cade played exactly the way that Sklar's have been describing Cade in their texts to me for years. Uh-huh. Uh, maybe that's not something we should reveal. Uh, <laughs> well, so, oh, they're not quiet about it. All right. Uh, yeah. Go ahead. So, do we have any other takes from the offense here? I mean, I thought C.J. Stokes showed a little bit. Yeah, I, mean, you I could was see his bounce, his cut, his speed. He threw a guy down with his hand. He ran through a guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he's he's decisive. A couple people compared him to Karan Higdon, which I yeah. think is a is a pretty good comp. Alex was like, baby Higdon, that's what he, I think, I don't know if he tweeted or segment sent to me or whatever. But there's, Yeah, there's there's a couple people who are making that comparison, and I think that's pretty accurate. Good north-south runner, kind of low behind his pads. I think Higdon was bigger, but. He got bigger. He was that size when yeah. he was a freshman. And, I mean, it, we got another drop from Bell, so that's kind of a disappointing start to the season for him. Just he also, in terms of, I think two, didn't he drop one of Cade's? No, he, he had a drop and he had a fumble. Yeah. He was chicken winging it when he tried to. I mean, he's I not going to do that against not Hawaii. Like, well, also it's like you know he got a helmet put right on the ball. It's like he was he try- was chicken winging it, but I give him. I I think he doesn't even try that against someone who's not like oh I got a Hawaii linebacker in front of me. Maybe I can like do something crazy here. Yeah, I don't know. Also going back to the Davis Warren throw, the guy who caught the ball was Max Bredesen. Yeah, yeah. And he like. Ran away from people. I know Hawaii caveats apply, but <laughs> that's, like that's the Hawaii we, caveat that, of the day. Is 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 <laughs> Ben Bredesen ever going to be like, hey, you know, like that? That was no, well. Max was, was ever, Max that. was an athlete. I I got this guy all wrong because I was like, oh, he's six foot two. Maybe he's six foot oh, really, and he's a fullback. He's not a fullback. No. Um, which is 
greatly disappointing. To me. Yeah, that's true. But I when I looked him up finally, he was like um, he was a baseball player. He been recruited to like play other sports as well in high school and like had to like pick baseball and football out of all the options that he had in front of him. He could have done track as well. So wow. he's more of an athlete than his brother, although his brother was almost as athletic and 300 pounds. So. <laughs> right. yeah. But I mean, that was a nice catch and run and you're just like, wow, I don't even know what the tight end depth chart is anymore. <laughs> it's like it does. It does seem like there are the three guys at the top because Honigford got a ton of time in the opener. Okay. And then after, it's Hibner and Breda 6-2. And they played mm-hmm. Loveland again? And, yeah. And I mean, Loveland is going to be like, I get my four game. I go to the right. weight room. I, right. I hope so. I mean, he looks like he's going to be something. I don't know if your redshirt on him is going to matter anyway, though. No, but you obviously don't need to play Colson Loveland this yeah. year, right? <laughs> so yeah. Modern college football, we complain about redshirts a lot less because it's just like probably not going to have anybody One. who's that good for five years. Mm-hmm. But... As if there's no reason not to, yeah. like, you might as well. I mean, yeah, by the time you're getting down to him, you could play Lou Hansen or whatever else you get. You know, right. you're, you're, uh, you're blocking the backing, walk on tight end. It's not going to make the difference between victory and defeat in any game this year. So you might as well put a red shirt on. Yeah. Um, Donovan Edwards, I mean, we've seen it before, but, I mean, that was a receiver catch on a receiver route. There are NFL receivers who don't make that catch. Yeah. Yeah, and also I think just his ability to see the holes and and run are getting more evidence of it. There was a bad event yeah. last week, and yeah. I think he did well. I'll have to break down the. Uh, did did you stuff. see the cut he made on the on his big run? Yeah. yeah. So like he sets that 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 is what you're talking about with running back patience and vision because he needs that like little brief step, waits for the exact second that the impact of Schoonmaker hitting the guy is going to move that guy out just enough and just. Burst through, and that burst right there is a humongous weapon if yeah. you can time that right. Right, and so the disappointing thing from last week for people who didn't read my extremely timely UFR. <laughs> uh, sorry, guys, it was kind of a kind of a hellish week for me. Um, was you know he's out in the open and he's got a blocker and he just doesn't use him. And I mm-hmm. think it was Zinter maybe on a pin and pull or something. Yeah. I don't remember exactly. And so there's a linebacker who's turned 90 degrees. He's running directly at the sideline, and Edwards just runs directly into him instead of cutting behind him with a, with a blocker out there. And that's the kind of thing that you don't want to see in year two. Mm-hmm. And so hopefully, you know, that was something that was a focus in film and he won't repeat that. But, you know, in my opinion, there are guys like Corum mm-hmm. who are just like geniuses at this. Like the number of minuses you had for Blake Corum over the course of an entire season was such that when I was putting together my running back preview, the three minuses I had to like label minus <laughs> so, that, so that I would know that there were things that he did wrong. I, I remember doing the UFRs and thing and thinking like, oh my god, this was the minus. Like that was like an event that was memorable from the game yeah. when Corum like could, did not take everything that was there against Rutgers on one run. Right, and so the the opener, I got him to like plus six. <laughs> and I was like, I didn't even think there was going to be any running back numbers mm-hmm. in this game because there wasn't anything that really stood out except for the hurdle. And then it was like plus six, minus zero. Oh, my God. And I don't think Donovan Edwards is ever going to be that because yeah. it's one of those things where you just show up and you have it or you don't. But that doesn't mean he can't be a really good running back. But he finally shied away from trying to take on the safety. And it's, I mean, you said the cut off of the block, which was really nice, which it was. But then he gets into space, and the safety kind of has him not lined up, but has an angle on him and sees him. And we've said that he'll 
run to contact because he's big and he's used to doing that. Well, he sees the safety and he sees the other receiver outside and he cuts outside around the receiver and Mm -hmm. runs up the sideline and adds about 10 to 15 more yards. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what you want from him. And yeah, that's not going to be a touchdown run and maybe he jukes a safety, but when you're going to play a really good safety, may not juke that guy. And this is the decision you wanted to make. Yeah. And then there were a couple of decisions he had in the opener, which Mm -hmm. were trying to hit a home run, which were not good decisions because the guy had leverage on him and, He's trying to get around a guy who has leverage on him and giving up yards to third and four that, I mean, the third and five that should have been a conversion, et cetera. So more data for him is going to be really valuable and just more reps, I think. So. Yeah. I mean, it, we usually don't care as much about other things, about like a running back once he get in sp- gets in space. We're like, okay, that's like the last thing you ca- need to care about because all the other parts are so much more important. For him... Because he's such a receiver, because they're going to be getting him in space just by the nature of the kind of running back he is, that is going to be a humongous thing for him that he's learning you know, how to get, get what he can get and also knowing when he's got those opportunities to get a lot more. Um, like He's the first running back I remember in a long time where like I really care that he develops his downfield game. Yeah. Um, on the offensive line, we saw Gio Hadi get in again. Mm-hmm. Um, Apparently, because Keegan got hurt, Keegan did return later in the game, so yeah, that shouldn't yeah. be a serious issue. Um, but I think he might be your number one backup at guard at this because he graded out well mm-hmm. in the opener. He didn't make any mental mistakes I could see. He looks physically ready. So you might have a situation where Barnhart is your top tackle backup and he's your top guard. I, I, I like that so much better. I don't think he played Barnhart. Barnhart, Barnhart was out because he had an ankle issue right. yeah. from the first right. opener. So... I mean, it could still be Barnhart if he's yeah. healthy. Barnhart, I, I just you graded him very poorly yeah, as a guard last year. I did, and I, I I went back over those again when I was doing the preview this year because I was like, was I too harsh on this guy, or, or it's like, or maybe you know, what, am I not? Did I miss something? And like all the minuses that I gave him stood up, and then we saw it again in the CSU game. It's I think that maybe moving him all around the line might just be bad for him. Mm. And like are, if you can focus on one spot. Yeah, there are situations where there was a the zone stretch that got like a yard for Edwards in the opener. It was mm-hmm. clear like Keegan just let a guy go inside of him, which is a bad thing at tackle. Right. But at guard, <laughs> if it's a stretch and your defensive tackle is just like, whoop, <laughs> yeah, yeah. they're, they're in deep, deep trouble. <laughs> so th- I think there were some costs from, from the moving guys around in, in the opener, and I think that that's accurate. Like mm-hmm. there's a reason that, you know, Michigan's not flipping Trent A. Jones to left tackle every other drive, right? Right. It's just a, not a thing that is productive. So if you can get a dedicated backup guard and Carson Barnhart can be a dedicated backup tackle, I think they'll be good going forward. And these are all the things that we can take away from a Hawaii game. So it was worth playing. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> uh, did you think it was interesting that all three of Michigan's pass pro muffs were three plays in a row? When Cade was in the game. Um, I mean, second OL, throw OL aside. Yeah, I mean, Zinter gave up one of those. It, well, yeah. it, was, it, was Hay- it was Hayes, Jones, and then Zinter, and they all get beat, I think, inside, and it's first, second, and third down after the nice cut by, mm-hmm. by Corum. And you're just like, wow, that was... I mean, I'm not <laughs> buying that there's a offensive line revolt against Kate McNamara. If that's probably, where you're going with this, probably not. It was just I mean, very. It, um, it could have been like we should be out of the game by now and here. And no, you know, nobody's I'm, gonna mess up a rep on purpose. I mean, that is something that yeah. 
we need to watch going forward. It's just ill-timed. Because one of the ill-timed, but still a starting line, and the pass protection against Colorado State was not ideal. Well, and Jones played with the twos. Trent, Trenty Jones, because there are Connor Jones who also got in the game. But but, yeah. but Trenty Jones played with the twos again, and Alex and I were going back and forth about it. He's like, he just needs as many live reps as possible. Yeah, I guess. And that maybe that's not where you want your starting right tackle to be. Well, that was sort of my takeaway. No. Yeah, I mean, I go back to the last game where it was quite obvious that Trenty Jones has the agility to play, you know, to have good protection on the outside. I think he's just, his footwork gets a little messed up and it may just be like in live reps. He's just not quite used to it yet. And it it does feel like he needs to just get out there and play more. Yeah. Um, are you worried that like Oluwatimi missed some calls on those or something? No, the the calls weren't missed. Like it was just yeah, straight up getting beat. Like Zinter just got beat by that tackle. Where well, it's they, just like, yeah, they all did. I mean, he, that was he overset and he got beat to the inside. That wasn't like he's expecting help. He's uh-huh. like got a one on one matchup. He needs to not lose decisively <laughs> to, to, to a tackle from Hawaii. Right. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the thing that's going to be like the sort of question mark coming out of these two games because the pass pro number from Colorado State wasn't great. Mm-hmm. I mean, it wasn't terrible, but it wasn't great. And the McNamara stuff here is going to impact, and it's going to be charged the uh, first-team OL. Mm-hmm. And I, the protection number is probably not going to be great here either. So, Well, okay, but up until that point, there I didn't think there was even remotely an issue. That's and true, but you know, you give up. It was thirty-five nothing as well. It also it, it, it also th- helps. that doesn't these, matter. Okay. These guys are are veterans too. Like if it was happening with Al Hadi, I would be more concerned than if it's happening with Zinter and Keegan and Hayes because I've mean, seen they those have, guys. They have data, yeah. backing them up. So yeah. that's true. But if there's one kind of thing that you're looking at the offense that's not Cade McNamara's performance, it's like oh, pass protection has not been as desired. Granted. All right. Do we have anything else? Any wide receiver takes or <laughs> other than um, like... I did the – okay, so in game, the Colorado State game, I did the first down like throw percentage in the mm-hmm. first half, and it was what, like 3 of 17 I think Something I had? Like that. So today it – or yesterday it was 8 of 21, but Cade did have 2 of 2. When Cade was in the game, they threw twice on first down. So like it looked like they were going to give him opportunities to throw – on standard downs. So that would mean that when JJ was in the game, it would be six of 19. So still lowish, but um, I'm, you know, I, I guess opponent, you can't really bring a lot of that into it, but that's like the thing. There's a lot creep, of spots here where it's going to be opponent adjusted. Creep it a little bit higher. Maybe. Also. Yeah. But also when you have an 11 on 11 run game, that predictability is less of it. And that's when fair. you have an 11 on 11 run game, there is more space to run. Like when they got yeah. uh, like a lot of the late game K drives that were making everyone grumble was because they were starting on the five yard line and they were obviously not going to be passing it because we're already up 42 nothing. Mm-hmm. And then they're just running into stack boxes. But if you're going to do that and you put in a running quarterback, you can actually you don't need to have that much of a passing game against Hawaii. <laughs> All right. I think that's a comprehensive overview of not a whole lot. We're going to take a break. Come back. Talk about the defense. 
Want the perfect game day outfit? Underground Printing has unique, great-fitting U of M apparel and officially licensed apparel from legendary Michigan names like Woodson, Howard, Eufer, and more. UGP also specializes in custom printed apparel and promotional items for groups, events, and businesses. Whether you need one shirt as a gift or 1,000 shirts for a charity walk, Underground can customize almost anything for groups large or small. To learn more, visit Underground Printing in one of our three convenient locations around Ann Arbor or online at undergroundshirts.com. It's painless. It's online. It's group ordering made easy for your next custom printed apparel order. Pogo from Underground Printing will save you time and hassle. Whether you're selling shirts for a fundraiser, organizing a large event, trying to collect sizes and payments for a family reunion, or, you know, ordering a whole bunch of shirts with your Kickstarter, Underground Printing is here to help. Save time and hassle every step of the way with their easy-to-use site. No more guessing what to order, chasing people down to pay, wasting time trying to sort out the order. They'll set it up. You can just sit back and relax. They'll even take care of individual shipping. To learn more about Pogo, visit them at any of their convenient locations or at pogo.undergroundshirts.com. Hey, it's Nick Hopwood, founder and president at Peak Wealth Management. We have a lot in common. We both went to Michigan. We're both huge fans, but I'm concerned about how much time you're spending on Michigan football recruiting. This could be time spent with me pouring over your cash flow and Roth conversion strategy. How are these Roth conversions going to get done with you spending all your time and energy on MGO blog looking at the next five-star recruits? Hey, all kidding aside, if you're addicted to MGO blog and you want to outsource some of your financial planning to an expert, consider us, peakwm.com slash MGO blog. At Peak, we work with people in a variety of situations. Some of our clients are young professionals looking to optimize their savings and investments. For young people, time is the key. Some of our clients are super affluent trying to figure out when they can retire. Some are high net worth retirees looking for a second opinion on how their money's working for them. Get your second opinion at peakwm.com slash mgoblog. Peak Wealth Management. Retire with confidence. Passion for e-commerce. Sell stuff online. Security. Performance. Conversion. Beautiful user experiences. Bella experience utilizador. Monthly marketing. PPC SEO. Make your user a customer. Conversion. Audio perfume for online retailers. Love your website. Let Human Elements show you how. Available at human-element.com and find apartment stores, not find apartment stores. One and two and... If you find yourself on the wrong side of the law, you want a Michigan man in the huddle. Call criminal law attorney and former prosecutor Jonathan Paul at 248-924-9458 or visit his website at michiganlawgrad.com. John is a proud graduate of the University of Michigan Ross School of Business and Michigan Law School. He looks forward to showing you the Michigan difference. stealing of his property we're damn good too but you can't be any geek off the street gotta be handy with the steel if you know what i mean earn you keep regulators mount up it was a clear black night a clear white moon warmer g was on the streets trying to consume some skirts for the eve so i could get some phones rolling in my ride chilling all alone just hit the east side of the lbc on a mission trying to find mr warren g seen a car full of girls ain't no need to tweak all of you search know what's up with 213 so i hooked select on 21 and lewis some brothers shooting dice so i said let's do this i jumped out the rock and said what's up some brothers put some so i said i'm Seth. All right, Seth, 
Give me your ticket of the week from Ticket IQ. Well, I just told you that I think Illinois are going to be Big Ten West champions, which means they're going to be coming into Michigan on a winning streak, and those Illinois fans are going to be ready to see their Illini topple. The hated Wolverines, the biggest rival. in okay. and, and for some reason, ticket so, prices for this are the same price as, the, as UConn next week right now. So, well, I know there. I mean, we know what the reason is, but yes, but I think that this is going to be Senior Day. I think people are going to enjoy this Michigan team a lot. I think people are that price is going to go up. Okay, and if you want to get good seats, they're like sixty dollars right now to sit like section uh, fifteen, and there's a lot of other ones on that level right now. I'm not, not talking about like down low. You don't want to be down low in the corner. Sure, but like. There are a lot of really good seats going for down to $40 out the door. And, like, if you're interested in going to see a Big Ten opponent this year, that's probably not just going to be a terrible game. And when you see a price on Ticket IQ, that's your out the door price. Yes. It is not going to get They're not $700 <laughs> worth of fees <laughs> right. put on it. Right. All right. So if you want to go to the Illinois game, hit up Ticket IQ this week because we're projecting big things from the Illini. <laughs> All right, uh, we struggled to come up with takes on offense against this opponent. <laughs> I don't know what to say here at all. <laughs> if our first and second string defense is on a plane and it crashes, and everyone's okay, but they can't play the next one. <laughs> <laughs> we may have to get into this, because I think there's bigger news now. But uh, Also, can you make that joke on this day? I'm not really sure. What is today? Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, God. Wow. Well, but at least everyone's okay, Seth. <laughs> All right. Uh, wow, too soon. This is uh, so too let's, soon. Let's change it to a train. No. <laughs> no. This is the point of the podcast where I'm screaming at you that we have to keep this. We're keeping it. Man. Wow. Uh, uh our, so our third, our third string, right, fourth right, string right, defense right. is not that good. Yeah. Well, well, so let's let's parse out a couple of players. So once Michigan got to passing downs against Hawaii, mm-hmm. your weak side end of choice was Braden McGregor, mm-hmm. which is interesting. Yeah, I mean he played. They like the first. They the, had a Noma in there a lot too. They did, but that was like. Sort of like second shift, mm-hmm. I think. Okay. So the first shift went to McGregor. I don't know how much of this actually matters or if it was just like, okay, you're going to get the first shift. Anoma's going to mm-hmm. get the second shift. Whatever. We're just trying to Kremlinology whatever we can out of this game. <laughs> um, I thought Rayshon Benny looked very good. Yeah. Um, yep. As a guy who is coming, is a backup. Um, maybe you can prove a little bit of something against a uh, Hawaii offensive line that did have a lot of experience, even if they're not that great. I don't know about the offensive line part, but he ran down a running back in the backfield. Yeah. He's, he's a guy who's flashing. Right? I think that is, say. I mean, that is some, he looked like a linebacker running around out there at defensive tackle size. That was, that, that was so, that was everything you want out of Benny. Like that's okay. like the, what his freakness was supposed to be. And, and like, you have Michael yeah. Barrett, Starting at inside linebacker this whole game, yeah, which uh, may not be something that we want to do against like the Wisconsin's of the world, who we don't play. Well, the Iowa's of the world, if as uh, if and Michigan's personnel matters at all in that game. Make an Iowa joke. Okay, here, let's but... just say Michigan State. <laughs> okay, Michigan State. <laughs> Maybe Michigan State. No, Michael Barrett. Got it. Um, but 
that seemed to be a clear reaction to Khalil Mullings against mm-hmm. uh, Colorado State, where mm-hmm. it's just like, I don't think this is going to work out. And he's a veteran. He knows what he's doing. He's not big enough to be playing this against teams that can run the ball. But Maryland, I think he might be viable there if yeah. Kai Hill Green isn't up to health. I think Barrett is a is a good um, – more he's getting – Reps in there. I've actually seen him acting a little, you know, acting faster. He's never going to be a real linebacker, but sometimes you play teams that don't really make you face a real weak side linebacker. You can get away with like a quasi safety there. Mm. And Maryland's actually a good example because they don't really have a tight end who's going to, you know, block your face off. And that's what you're worried about with that position. Right. So if that, if if he's just going up against running backs that are going out into the into a pattern, which is going to be Indiana, which is going to be Maryland, which is going to be Penn State, then, I mean, he's a very functional yeah, starter. Yeah, we, we got a lot of teams on the schedule who can't run the ball at all. <laughs> That's true. I mean, this is, uh, <laughs> this is why it might be the year for Barrett. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, I've always liked him. He's always been a, a fun player to have around, so I'm glad that he's getting some run. Yeah. And then uh, I think Sainer still showed well when he was put into to, – tackling positions and that's something that is a question for a guy who transferred from offense mm-hmm. they tried to edge him and it didn't work yeah. right and that's something that we saw in the colorado state game so i think that's encouraging uh makari page yeah turned in a couple uh-huh. of, pa- of that's plays. the guy i had a few notes on too where maybe you like him to pick off that ball when he's coming across he i if you see it on, on replay he gets hit by uh i, I think it's dj turner as soon mm-hmm. as the ball gets there and gets yeah. gets knocked out of place so i that's much more Understandable of a drop than a couple of Moten's. Moten had another drop this game. Yeah. Well, well, this was not bad. So <laughs> this was not the, like a like a terrible was drop. Like debatable. I rewatched that a few times, and it looks like it goes over his hands, and the ball is tipped. Like mm-hmm. Harold gets true. his hand on the arm, and the ball comes out like a punt, kind mm-hmm. of. And so it looked like it just floated over his hands. I couldn't tell specifically if he had a chance to catch that or not. I don't. I. It was not. A, it was a very small point. It's just I would like Moten to catch one so he could get that <laughs> off his back. Well, that's that's that's. And then they <laughs> they threw a Morian Walker out there as a cornerback and as a wide receiver. So he's like mm-hmm. switching jerseys on, on yeah. the sideline. And he he picks up a holding call, and then they show the replay, and I'm like, ah, that's pretty weak on the Benny. And that was right. just. I mean, who cares in a Hawaii game? But right. like. That was after the pl- that was on the play that that wiped out the Benny play where he tackled the, like ran a guy down like a linebacker in the backfield and then the very next play is their touchdown. Sure, but uh, weird because Morgan Walker, <laughs> well, is six foot four, and you're like, oh, yeah, let's play him at cornerback. Well, which has happened once in the history of this program with Jeremy Clark. Oh yeah, not Jeremy Clark. Yeah, no, you're right about that. I thought you were going to talk about David Terrell. Who also wore number one. No, I'm talking about actual <laughs> cornerbacks who were draftable, yeah. which yeah. Jeremy Clark was. Yeah. So my thought on that is like, okay, they probably think they have, what, Sainer's still a nickel, and then Will Johnson looks like he's the third outside corner. And then, I mean, we've like guessed on a couple of guys, and maybe Walker's like, hey, looks like I'm not getting on the field as a wide receiver this year, so I'll give it a go. And they're like, well, this is the perfect game to do it, so see what you got. Yeah. I mean – that it's at all plausible is interesting. That he's the kind of athlete that they're like, all right, just go out there and do it. That's interesting. Because if he's that kind of athlete and they're – I mean, that's what they've been talking about with him, right? Like, he's yeah. just ridiculous. So, I mean, that's – it just tells you more that he is 
going to be a star eventually and that like there's a little bit more weight to put on him, but you don't really need a whole lot of weight to play cornerback. It's more just about getting out in the yeah, I mean, swatted I, down. Chances are this is going to be something that gets relegated to the dustbin of history and remembers it. But, I mean, we got to say something about something. <laughs> well, and like you mentioned, Makari Page, I also, also thought that he made a couple nice plays coming up to the line, mm-hmm. making a tackle, breaking up a slant. Like those are things that are – um, like the timing stuff, right? That, that you yeah. see mm-hmm. and you recognize and you break on and, and change of direction, which is important because he's six foot four. Right, but he looks like he's probably a viable third safety. Yeah, and, yeah. and Michigan's rotating him in like he is. Like, and they, I think that that's part of why you play these beanbag games early on. Is like, hey, do we have that third safety? And maybe he might. I think. You know, your defensive tackles are tracking as necessary. You can't really say a whole lot about what Mazda Smith is going to do against real teams, but he's doing what he needs to do to make Mozzie Smith as basically Mo Hurst like a possibility going into big, the Big Ten season. Speaking of Mo Hurst, you mentioned the Benny sack. Did you mm-hmm. see it looked like, from the from my view at the stadium, that he brought back the belly rub? I couldn't tell, no. It looked like he was doing the belly rub, and I was like, yes, and then there was the flag, was, and you're like, come on. <sighs> no, Jenkins had an opportunity where I thought Jenkins was going to do it, and I'd be like, that would be appropriate. Like, <laughs> you're, you've gotten to belly rub stage now. You should do it and let everybody know what you are. It's a checkpoint in your career. Uh, yeah. We're, I mean, we're the Will Johnson, we got to see a lot of him. Yeah, but he didn't really get targeted. So. He he did. He was the the blanket on the guy that they were throwing at the one time they had an accurate throw downfield, and there was just nowhere to put it. And yeah. I was like, I mean, he this... didn't turn his head, so I was worried about it pass interference. But he didn't really interfere with him. He just was huge. Yeah, this guy was throwing a lot of fade routes that were just nowhere, mm-hmm. nowhere so near. Wasn't yeah. really a whole lot of like. Harold had a big thunder hit. I guess I was going to call it like a sack, but it wasn't. It was on I think the first drive where the ball goes out weirdly on a fumble, but like Colson comes in and picks his guy and Harold loops around inside and just tees up. Yeah, that was interesting because I have I have not seen a stunt quite like that where the linebacker is just like like, like setting a pick. Where it's just like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That was I mean that was kind of a cool uh, uh Jay Do put it put it out on on Twitter too that like they they brought the linebacker in just to smash into the offense to the tackle, and that just creates like an an easy run up the middle for for Harrell. Yeah, and, it, and it's Junior Colson who's like probably the guy you'd think is going to be blitzing. Yeah, I kind of wish we didn't use that against Hawaii. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm okay. I can see that, but I also think that this might be indicative of what Minter has in his toolbox here. Uh huh. Yeah. So I, I'm sure this is not new to football, but personally, I've been charting games for a long long time mm-hmm. i have not seen that particular stunt approach so there's probably a lot more where that came from is what exactly yeah. so like there's probably a bunch of stuff that michigan still has and they bring something out here and there but in terms of blitz packages and just getting to the quarterback there's that quote from sam webb where it's like the star of the defense is jesse minter and i was like ah, i don't know how seriously <laughs> to take that and I'm still like, ah, I don't know how to seriously say that. Oh, come that. on. You're coming around a little. Well, coming around a little bit. Like, the organization's been very good, and you can tell that there's a lot of stuff in there. If Michigan is not generating organic pass rush, there's going to be ways that they can still get to the quarterback. I wonder if McDonald is, like, watching this game and, like, I put that in. I did it. <laughs> <laughs> I taught them that. We just never used it. What's Mike, it? <laughs> Mike McDonald is never going to watch another college football game in his life. <laughs> well, that's not true because he's a – 
no. NFL DC. So no, yeah, he's, 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 he has he's to. Done. This he's, is part of his like, job. It, it looks he's, like I'm sure he's watching these games, and I'm sure he's also seen like you know what? If I was there, I'd have to recruit. So I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're gonna take a break. Come back and figure out something we can talk about in the next segment. At Peak Wealth, we believe we can help you retire with confidence. It's Nick Hopwood, Certified Financial Planner from Peak Wealth Management in Plymouth. I graduated from Michigan in 2001 with an econ degree and founded Peak Wealth Management in 2014. Now we have over $240 million of assets under management. As a freshman in 97, winning the national championship in football and hockey didn't get any better than that. Both my wife and I lived in Bursley that year, and it's crazy because we never actually met while living in the same dorm. Probably because she had a car and I had to ride the bus. But we named our dog Bursley anyway, and he's on the payroll here at Peak Wealth Management. At Peak, we're fee-based. We're your fiduciary, which means everything we recommend is always in your best interest. We partner with leading institutional money managers, focus on low fees, and make sure every client has a financial plan covering retirement, college, tax, estate, insurance, and cash flow. Simply put, we are Peak Wealth Management, your comprehensive financial coach. Book your second opinion at peakwm.com slash mgoblog. Peak Wealth Management. Retire with confidence. If you want to see where our post-game podcast happens, or if you need a spot to land in Ann Arbor, check out 4M, Prentice Partners' beautiful brand-new flagship property at 830 Henry Street in Lower Burns Park and across the bridge from the big house. Their 11 spacious six-bedroom, six-bath suites feature state-of-the-art digital capabilities and are laid out for comfortable, efficient collaboration. You can also rent a 4M unit for shorter stays, say if you want to come to town for a football weekend. I want to add myself that they're also taking over Lucky's. We're really excited about their plans for that space. So if you're by the stadium, swing by 830 Henry or visit Prentice4M.com. The only thing we can be sure of about the future is that it will be absolutely fantastic. I'm thinking of the incredible breakthrough made possible by developments in communications. Arthur C. Clarke's 1964 vision is now reality with SignalWire, a cloud platform that enables developers to build the applications that will reshape the future of communications. These things will make possible a world in which we can be in instant contact with each other wherever we may be. You can add cutting-edge, real-time video and audio to any product, website, or application with APIs and SDKs for developers of all skill sets. SignalWire is optimized for high quality and low latency communication functionality, video, voice, and text messaging capabilities. Almost any skill could be made independent of distance. Men will no longer commute. They will communicate. See for yourself at SignalWire.com. Use code 2021 and receive $25 in developer credit. Go to SignalWire.com. SignalWire Communications OGs. Original geeks of programmable communication. Want the perfect game day outfit? Underground Printing has unique, great-fitting U of M apparel and officially licensed apparel from legendary Michigan names like Woodson, Howard, Eufer, and more. UGP also specializes in custom printed apparel and promotional items for groups, events, and businesses. Whether you need one shirt as a gift or 1,000 shirts for a charity walk, Underground can customize almost anything for groups large or small. To learn more, visit Underground Printing in one of our three convenient locations around Ann Arbor or online at undergroundshirts.com. 
I'm not trying to kill turtles without my hair strings colors I'm just trying to do rap songs and be down with my brother's head Maybe a few others too, we can get a pay-per-view We can watch boxing all the time or join the ground crew Or the crew that takes ice to the warm courts Make athletes take off skates, put on mesh shorts That sounds like a dandy, watching a flick, organized crime I like the Wesley Snipes and Ving Rhames for the prison time belt Make a soda line, pass it to a friend of mine Maureen made catch story, season with a spring of time Hot dog for lunch Hot dog for dinner, don't eat breakfast, I am no beginner, no. Hot dog for lunch, hot dog for dinner, don't eat breakfast, I am no beginner, no. Just don't be gross, like finding long hairs in the bread. The only people that were there were Tommy and Craig. I'm a DJ now. Dave! Brazilian Dave! Polish Dave! Polish Dave! Randy! Jason! I need takes hotter than JJ McCarthy on Saturday night! There it is! There it is! (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yep. (laughs) Seth, give me your hottest take. Well, you guys are all going to take quarterback, so I'm just going to say, I think it was worthwhile playing Hawaii. (laughs) I know they're not going to be this bad all Uh, the time. When you schedule this game, it's like, okay, this is the kind of team that you expect to give you not too big of a thing. And also, like, the Hawaiian fans, the few that were there were, like, all 100% of them absolutely nice people. And well, they like, can afford to fly from Hawaii, so they're probably like, uh. I know a lot of people <laughs> yeah, who can they, afford to fly from Hawaii wealthy. who are not nice people. Yeah, but they also live in Hawaii. Right. <laughs> they live in right. Hawaii and can afford to fly to Michigan. But it, they're probably in a pretty good spot, just yeah. in life in general. I, I, they're, ha- they're happy. They're happy people who they live on Fantasy Island, and then they come to a rain-soaked Midwestern, and they're dark like, and "I don't live here." <laughs> right? They're like, "Hey, am I this still in Hawaii?" Com- just Dave, just like it was confirmation that Michigan is the team that it was, they confirmed that they're living in the right place. I, I mean, we had yeah. the Roman Wilson stuff, which was like cool, like playing playing for his home people, and, and like there were a lot of people wearing Michigan Hawaiian shirts. Where like you know now we've we've entered like these a are, whole new these level. Are very weak arguments. Hold <laughs> <laughs> on a second. There's no good arguments for any. Like, would you rather have faced a Maxi? Would you rather have played Akron? Yes. No, played Akron. No. Yes, no. I would have. No. Yes. Oh, I, Probably. I've seen Akron. I've, do, you, do you remember the last time they played Akron? Well, it was more of a game than this was. I don't. Yeah, I, but I not think, in a good way. And, was, and, and they have a pregame thing that they we didn't get to see because they didn't do all the pregame stuff. You wanted but, to see the Haka. Yeah, yeah, I wanted to see. So yeah. Michigan Hawaii could Zipier. be like. Yeah, this could be a thing. They could be like our, our slippery rocky pals uh, that come in every uh, once in a while. This was supposed that, to be a game against a, UCLA. That's a humid take. Right. No, no, no. Next week was. Well, whatever. There was supposed to be a game against UCLA, which is a very winnable. I mean, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Dave, give me your hottest take. There is a group of people. Do the voice. No. Want no. Me to be part of the resistance the voice, to stand God up against it, the voice. Dave. Why would you stand up against the voice? Yeah. I was, I was asked no, you to. Can't. You can't. Asked you to. can't. You were asked to. Yeah. In Look at Brian's section. burst blood vessels just from the like the the I know I'm about to be covered for the blood. blood. And the scars like, are paying for this too, so you have to. Like <laughs> <laughs> Can I do the prospector grovelly voice? Dude, just what yes, else? Sure. Okay, yeah. get inside. Last you. week, my hot take was is that Harbaugh and Michigan were setting up McCarthy 
to win the job and it right. was a conspiracy. This week, I believe that Cade was in on it too. <laughs> wow. Oh. He is the it's captain. Take. Wow. That's uh, best for the team. That's a take so hot that I, I think mean, we should just immediately move on because it cannot be discussed or improved upon. <laughs> Jason, give me your hottest take. It is possible to hold two thoughts in your mind about one person. <laughs> <laughs> might be the hottest thing of all time it is okay to love what k did for us last year it is okay to say that yes he brought us a big 10 championship and helmed the ship and did what was supposed to be done with Hassan haskins in the backfield and didn't make mistakes and beat iowa really well and made some good plays and passes along the way and it, and also to say that he is trash this year it is fine to say both of those things it is Wait, okay let's, to have both those thoughts let's say he has performed poorly okay, he's, he's trash. trash his game has been trash I, and i don't it's okay to say both those things it's okay to feel both those feelings like i feel like listening to the broadcast i love jake butt but my man was like making every excuse in the book for what's going on right now. And why why do we have to do that? Why can't we just say, yeah, he's he's either folding because of the competition or he's having trouble right now or his game is being exposed because we don't have the other elements to our team. Why can't we just say he was awesome last year, he is not awesome this year. That's okay to feel both those things about this person. Or he's in on it. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean – this is a very cogent, excellent it. point, Zinter Jason, which makes it feel like a poor fit for this segment. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I got to heat it up. Heat it up. Randy, give me your hottest take. The quarterback competition should not be over yet. Davis Warren starts against you. <laughs> oh, <laughs> bam. There it is. We uh, that's, that's as hot as it goes. Did you already make that claim, Dave? We actually uh, mentioned that we thought one of you would bring up Davis Ward in this segment in the offensive portion. I mean, he was our greatest president back in 1903. <laughs> I've always said that about Davis Warren. And, I mean, Davis Warren is really the reason this competition is over. He played with a worse line than Cade, and he stepped up and made. First of all, that run was awesome. I, I love this kid. I love this and I, actually, I think he threw a dart. He he made a great quarterback keep and made the right read. This kid's he's not bad. He's a great he's a great QB two in my opinion. But you know, I mean, I think he did it with a worse line. I, I don't think he's. A, I really really like him. I have a lot of stock in Davis Warren. All right, that's uh, that is that is actually an interesting point though. Like when Warren had the same. Restrictions Cade had, he did a little bit better. Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. A lot right. better. All right. Here I, mean, I go. arm strength's awesome. <clears throat> go ahead, Brian. Amorian Walker sticking at corner. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> He's good. He has a quick path to the uh, field. And he should not get a jersey with his name on it either. He should still so, the number one. Just, just look at what's happening next year. You probably get Roman Wilson back. Mm-hmm. You, you get Andrew mm-hmm. Anthony back. You got Darius Clemens. You get A.J. Henning back. Meanwhile, Michigan's going to lose Tyler Jam- Morris. Jamon Green. Tyler Morris is mm-hmm. also there. Michigan's going to lose DJ awesome. Turner probably to the draft. You're going to lose Mike Sainer still. You are. Yeah, he's a he's out of eligibility, I think. No, he's, he was a he was a there's, freshman in there's, 19. There's, there's, he's got a got, COVID like, year. Yeah, yeah everyone's okay. got infinite eligibility because of COVID somehow. But like, 
What the about pa- Miles Pollard? The, the pass Miles Pollard, Jade McBurrows, those guys the are the path of the field the chart, at cornerback but... is, mm-hmm. is pretty good because they are talking up McBurrows. They like McBurrows. Mm-hmm. But other than yep. that, seems kind of wide open. And if it's at all plausible that the six foot four guy can play cornerback, then he's probably something pretty special athletically. Here's the thing. His oh, yeah. coach is Ron Bellamy, who is also a receiver from Louisiana, who, like, they, they are buddy buddies. And Ron Bellamy has said many times that his receiver skills took off after he got to spend a couple weeks at cornerback. So, yeah. like, this was already in the game plan that they were going to try this. And, like, By yes, way, but, like, they Brian love his upside make- at receiver too much. And Ron Bellamy is going to have to let him go. All right. Brian, you don't make this take if if JJ is the one who threw the pass to Walker, who had like five steps on both guys and had to pull back up. I mean, this flies in the face of my Davis Warren take, but I'm telling you, he the kid is going to be a special receiver. But I hear what you're saying. Yours is a nice hot take, but he's well, going to be a special receiver. Yeah, it is a hot take, but I think if you got the six foot four guy and you just can play inside leverage with him all the time and he can stick with guys, it's something you got to explore. I think it's. I think it Agreed. could happen. The depth chart thing is is definitely a thing. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. But but is does Sandra still stay? I mean, he does have the COVID year, but like just to have another year of playing DB under his belt to, because maybe and also like you know what I mean. Those are very different cornerbacks. Yeah, like one is like the emphatically outside cornerback, and one is emphatically a nickelback. Right. So yeah. those guys both have Correct. roles on on your defense, but and we they're just very different. Roles. Went through the schedule and like. You don't have games where you want a bunch of inside linebackers anymore. You have a bunch of games where you want a bunch of extra DBs. Yeah. All right. If you yeah. can't get enough Sklars, hit them up on their Patreon. Hit them up on the Nosebleeds, which you can see on UFC Fight Pass. The first episode is also free on YouTube. It is a Cheap Seats reboot based on UFC. And UFC, early UFC, was weird. <laughs> so you will enjoy it. <laughs> All right. So... This is the part of the podcast where we talk about game theory and strategic concerns and also special teams. Brian, do you know what happened last night? Uh, I mean, there's a lot of answers to that question. There was a sad field goal. Oh, no, it's not a sad field goal. <laughs> You're Hawaii. They're allowed to do that. You're Hawaii. Not... You want to score in, in, the, in the big house. That was a happy moment for Hawaii. I'm not saying that they shouldn't be allowed to do that uh-huh. or that what you said isn't correct. But when you kick a field goal down forty-two to nothing in the second half, it's still a sad field nope. goal. No, nope. no. If you're Penn State, yes, yeah. And if like there's, they scored a touchdown afterwards. I know, but like, no. I just I do not accept. I'm this overriding if, your veto. charge. If if you go for it on fourth down and you don't get it, and it's still zero. That's even sadder. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of things about the white program right now that are sad. Hopefully, they will not continue to be, and they will get better. And I think that they will. Well, yeah, one thing, but. That- this is surprising to me is that we have this like free transfer period. Hawaii should be good because if you're transferring, well, you're, you're like, I could go to Hawaii. Here's, here's the my problem. NFL dreams are probably not happening. But That's true. Well, I could go play. Their in kicker Hawaii. is there for that. That's why their their kicker slash punter, the guy does both jobs. He's there because he's like, you know what? I don't really want to do this for a career. I want to get a college education and do something after. And he's like, I'm just going to go live in Hawaii for four years. And people in Hawaii are going to remember <laughs> me, and it's going to be great. He, he actually put that in an interview with like with uh, Hawaii, and they, they printed it. They're like, this is why he's here. So, yeah, I think they'll be good because they'll get a lot of transfers who are like not quite good enough to play 
at places, but they're better than your average Mountain West. What, are they in the WAC? No, they're no, no they're in the Mountain West. They're in the West of the Mountain West. Yeah, there's no more WAC. Yeah. yeah. But the problem is he, uh, he, Timmy Chang got the job too late to bring in many transfers. So sure, like, yeah. They were grabbing guys after spring practice. And the other thing is he couldn't really pick off all the guys from like his old program because Jay Norvell already emptied it out. He was <laughs> <laughs> he was at Nevada with the, with Jay. So like he's like, "Okay, anybody here want to transfer with me?" And they're like, "Sorry, dude. We just enrolled at Colorado State." Who does Nevada play next week? Uh, I don't know. Iowa. Oh my gosh. <laughs> anyway, um there's one are you where are you guys on AJ Henning as a punt returner? Because every there seems to be a player to every game where I I like getting back on the fence. He had a, he had one nice return, yeah. But there like he he tried to pick up a ball that had bounced twice, where you know the the coverage team is coming down and mostly has him surrounded, and he like bobbles it and picks it up again because no one's that close yet. But the upside of that seems really low. The- Without, if that's the what I'm thinking about, that was a ball that had bounced and was bouncing inside the ten. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. That was like later. This was, I think, the first one. He kind of okay. scooped it up in traffic, and it wasn't an issue. But he got like a y- a yard on it or something. But he fumbled it first, and it's just like okay. Well, he's catch gotten, the ball. He's first gotten of all. two consecutive guys who are mostly like line drive rugby punters, which is a difficult situation. That's true. And in one or two, he let go, and I was like, and I was kind of iffy when I saw it. Went back and watched it, and I was like, nope, that's got to be the play. You know, that's too dangerous of a play. But it it almost doesn't seem. I mean, I know Peppers is the gold standard, but he just seemed to know what to do on every. Punt. I mean, Peppers is never going to be matched, and. Henning is still a Peppers little... Peppers would, would fly 20 yards across the field <laughs> and catch a 32-yard punt on the fly. That's true. And, and DBJ would do some of that stuff, too, H- but like that's still the same problem. Henning tried to do that, and he did that on one. There was a yeah, left right down. One. He yeah. did, and I thought he actually he got better as the game went on. And, and the one that you were talking about that was bouncing inside the 10, he did make a nice play. So my opinion has was oscillating last night. There just it seems to be one or two a game where you're like, just, you know, either come up and catch the ball or get out of there. Well, so uh, one of the problems is I think the issue against Colorado State that everybody was upset about, like Colorado State touched that ball first and he knew it. Correct. And so that was actually a smart play because yeah, I mean, it's only upside at that point. Yeah, it's minimal, but yeah. Uh, so I don't have a problem with any of the decisions from the first game. And then in this game, I think you have a point that that was a little bit of a questionable decision on that one. But as you mentioned, he did get up and catch a punt that was very difficult to get to. He had one good return. Yep. And then he made a couple other decisions that I think were appropriate. So um, I don't think he's Jibril Peppers, but that's like asking a running back to be as intelligent as Mike Hart. It's just a bar that you're going to wait 20 years to, sure. to clear. Um, and then Jake Thaw has a, I thought a very nice part. <laughs> <laughs> he, he did, but didn't he also have one where he kind of like got a little deer in the headlights out there too? Like uh, at this point, I don't know if I was paying close. Yeah, <laughs> I was struggling to keep my wife awake at this point. <laughs> anyway, uh, no, I mean uh, people I, are, uh, people have varying opinions about Henning's ability to do this. I'm I'm still Team Henning pretty solidly. Yeah, and I think I still am as well. There's just there are a few things that can be worked out. Yeah, and I think that's something that we've seen progress from him on, and I, I think that his performance in this game was still pretty good. Like, 
it was wet out there too. The ball was yeah. wet, and, and like he slipped on the field. He slipped one on time. the fourth yeah. one. Yeah, and it's like the kinds of punts he's being asked to field are just really difficult. It's not like someone's hanging it up for forty yards, and then he's like, "Well, I should fair catch this." Like he's got a lot of judgment calls to make, and so I think his error rate on those has been acceptable to good. Okay, and uh, and it hasn't burned us yet. <laughs> Results based charting. Yes, there you go. I mean, that's, that's that what it comes down to. He like when we led the like league in punt return average by a significant chunk last year without actually having a touchdown. And right. that's, yeah. And yeah, he did. I mean, he also dropped a couple and, and that sort of thing. Yeah, so. early. I mean, there were, there were a couple issues. And like, it's clear that that's something that he needs to work on. But I, I'm still, I'm still pro him doing cool. his thing. And then, you know, Robbins. Brad Just Robbins at this point. The ball yeah. 70 almost, yards in the air. They almost uh, they got their hands on one of his. That's the first time I've seen their punt protection not Jake be Jake Moody didn't kick a field goal. He had some nice kickoffs. He had a kickoff field goal. <laughs> he did. But <laughs> we didn't actually talk about this. Okay. Is that when Michigan got in the red zone, they scored touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Yes. Who was, who was quarterback? J.J. McCarthy was a quarterback. So does that lead to an extra run threat? Well, also, like, if – Roman Wilson's going to be wide open on a quarter out. He'll throw it, even if it's to the field, I think. Or did he'll... You, did you hear the midfield or the midweek discussion about all that with, like, Devin Gardner and... Yeah, 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 I did. Oh, yeah, because Sam Webb brought it up on Thursday. I brought it up. You brought it up on <laughs> Thursday? The, the The doesn't throw to the field thing? Oh, well, so, I mean, that was something I was looking at. I mean, it came up on Thursday because yeah. I think Gardner brought it up. Not something either of us picked up on last year. No. And but then you, it's a meme in your head, and you're charting it, and you're like, "Is this real? <laughs> like, why? Why is why is Michigan running into a nine-man box on second and goal from the ten? Mm-hmm. Is it because these two receivers are lined up to the field? It seems like that can't be the case. But I don't know. I think it might be overblown. But well, Gardner was defending his decision to throw the Texas route to all instead of the corner route to Wilson. And Sam brought that up, and he's like, nope, this is this is the read here, and the, the route is open. And Sam's like, well, it's also third and ten. And he's like, yeah, but I think I think that's the right throw, and all's going to get the first down. And I was, like, trying not to say anything. You're well, I mean, to... I was listening to Craig. <laughs> I wasn't in the studio, you... but I was just trying not to. You you weren't yelling and wherever you were, like, that's why you were coached by Al Borges. <laughs> Well, he wasn't. He wasn't going to get the first down. No way. I did. I mean, maybe if he runs through a guy. <laughs> Two guys. Two guys. Eric All is absolutely capable of that. I'm okay. I, I, <laughs> I we've opened this door. <laughs> it's, it's, but but it's, no. But I mean, that's that that was. It, it still doesn't make it not true that the guy was open to the field and that right. a quarterback. When you're reading the defense, what we're part of what we're talking about is just check the numbers. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, this is how much we have to talk about special teams and game theory is now we're talking about red zone. But the red zone stuff was on point, made me feel good. It's like now we can score touchdowns. I think that they will be able to next week as well. All right, we'll take a break. Come back. Talk to Jamie. Here's the thing people say. Seth, tell me about your insurance. I'm actually glad you asked me about that because I just changed my insurance and I'm really happy I did. Let me guess. You use Phil Klein and Owen Rosen of the Phil Klein Insurance Group. They are MGO blog readers and they don't advertise during football games. And they've got a five-star rating on anything you would care to see. Call Owen at 248-682-7445 or visit them online at philkleininsurance.com. 
This is Matt Demrest, the owner of Homeshare Lending. We're a local mortgage company here to help you purchase with confidence and refinance with ease. People don't get mortgages very often, so it can be confusing. We'll break down every single line item so that it all makes sense. And at the end of the day, if we're not giving you the best deal, we'll tell you to go with the other company. We're here to offer our simple mortgage guidance. This is Seth Fisher from Emgo Blog. Over the years, we've sent dozens of readers to use Homeshare Lending, and every review that's come back has been raving. I myself used them to refinance after doing our original loan through our bank. I was amazed how much smoother the process was for our company. Loan. Brian used them, you should use them too. Finding out whether it makes sense or not to refinance or getting pre-approved to buy a new home is easy. Head over to homesurelending.com, that's H-O-M-E-S-U-R-E, lending.com, slash mgoblog to find out more. Or call us at 734-531-9950. That's 734-531-9950. I've got two of my favorite people here with me, kind of an annual tradition, Cooper and Colby. Cooper, how old are you? 11. Colby, how about you? Nine. Can I get a Go Blue? Go Blue! NMLS number 1161358, equal housing lender. It's painless. It's online. It's group ordering made easy for your next custom printed apparel order. Pogo from Underground Printing will save you time and hassle, whether you're selling shirts for a fundraiser, organizing a large event, or trying to collect sizes and payment for a family reunion, UGP is here to help. Save time and hassle every step of the way with our easy-to-use site. No more guessing what to order, chasing down people to pay, or wasting time trying to sort out the order. We'll set it up and you can just sit back and relax. We can even take care of individual shipping. To learn more about Pogo, visit us at any of our convenient locations or at pogo.undergroundshirts.com. In southeastern Michigan, the yearly cost for a nursing home averages approximately 100000 It doesn't have to, though. Reed McCarthy founded Ann Arbor Elder Law after handling a tricky situation for his own family. Years of experience later, his boutique firm works with clients across southeast Michigan dealing with Medicaid planning, long-term care, and tax, disability, and family law, not to mention family dynamics. If you have a family member who may need that level of care, or if you're ready to start your own estate plan, Reed can give you a plan for the future. Visit AnnArborElderLaw.com or call 734-945-9693. That's 734-945-9693. I said, girl, why you keep calling? I said, girl, why you keep calling? Yeah. She said, I need a new whip. Yeah, because I know that you're still balling. She just want to go back to the future, so I brought that girl a DeLorean. 21 minutes until I got go, so I told that girl I'm going to slaughter it. Hey folks, Venues Open, 1919 South Industrial. They have menus from five different restaurants, a bar with expertly crafted cocktails, beer on tap, and wine by the glass or bottle. Hit them up. Experience4m.com slash venue if you want to order takeout. Or call them at 734-800-0128. We welcome in Jamie Mack of JustCoverBlog.com. How are you doing, Jamie? I'm doing well, guys. I, I come to the table today with a radical new Big Ten expansion idea. It's maybe more of a retooling idea. Let's just replace the whole Big Ten West with the Sun Belt East. 
<laughs> we don't even have to make an announcement to do it. We don't even have to make an announcement to do it. We could secretly do it, like those old coffee commercials from the '80s, and see if anybody notices. Wait, does that? But create... I think they'd notice the. I, I think they'd notice the uptick in confidence, though, if Iowa and Nebraska and Northwestern were replaced with, you know, Marshall, Appalachian State, and apparently Georgia Southern. <laughs> I, I don't need to see Appalachian State, Michigan, ever again. Yes, that is the fatal. Well, that's flaw a very good. Plan. That's a very good counterpoint. Very good counterpoint. <laughs> All right, we can start with only one thing: El Asico, <laughs> ten oh. to seven, a, a real, a real perfect Asico. <laughs> Iowa collects yeah. 150 yards of total offense, is outgained 2-1 to one by Iowa State. Iowa State puts together a 21-play, 99-yard touchdown drive to uh, to seal this one. And if you're like, well, if they outgained him 2-1, to one, why was this only a three-point game? It's because Iowa State fumbled at the one-inch line in one of those hilarious fumbles that immediately goes eight yards deep into the end zone. And everybody was mm-hmm. posting the he can't keep getting away with it <laughs> from from Breaking Bad. Yeah, Spencer Petras, twelve of twenty six for ninety two yards and a pick. Leading rusher for Iowa, fourteen carries, thirty four yards. Post game press conference, entirely very delicately phrased things about why haven't you fired your son? And that's where we are. That's where we are with Iowa, Jamie. Wow, I mean, so many bad stats. I am not. I'm not sure. Where to begin? Uh, let's uh, let's just. Can I run down Iowa's drives real quickly? Okay. <laughs> Yo, there's only 16 one. Sixteen yards. <laughs> right. Six, Sixteen yards. Fifteen yards. Thirty-four yards. Twenty-six yards. Whoa, that's sixty total yards in two drives, guys. Maybe they're turning the corner. Nope. The bottom falls out. Five yards. Two yards. Five yards. One yard. Nineteen yards after their second block of the game. Five yards. Eleven yards, and then forty-three yards on their last drive of the game. They're Best drive of the game yardage-wise started with 38 seconds to go. They got 43 yards and got in field goal range, which they missed. But before you think that's that's impressive, 20 of those 43 yards came on Iowa State defensive penalties. Uh, that's the only reason why they really got in range to try to tie that tie that up. Uh, only 64 yards in the second half. Only four first downs in the second half. It's a it's a pretty competition invariant awful offense. Last week against South Dakota State. 4.8 yards a drive, 6.3 yards per drive, gained 26 available yards. Yesterday, these numbers are almost the same, 4.8 yards or plays per drive, 18.5 yards per drive, and only 27 available yards gained. The difference between last week and yesterday was Iowa State gained 62% of their available yards and averaged 47.7 yards per drive against this Iowa defense, probably thanks to that 99-yard drive, but they were able to generate – offense throughout the game they just you know had the luck of the hawkeyes against them with those two end zone with the two end zone turnovers and two block punts i mean they blocked two punts in this game and they scored seven points that's yeah. how does that even happen <laughs> like yeah yeah 150 yards the second of offense total yeah that's i mean they played the same game against iowa state last year too this is like a repeat el asico yeah where like it just this their 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 offense was just a little bit better last year because they had Tyler Linderbaum and they were able to like just barely squeak by Iowa State after getting doubled up in yards and this time it was yeah. the opposite and it's it's amazing to see a Kirk Ferentz offensive line be the problem but I think that's the problem. I mean, yeah, they just don't uh, they just don't block anybody. <laughs> the right side of their line is pretty bad and the left tackle spot, you know, is not that great. <laughs> 
um, their center, who's replacing Lindebaum, might be their best lineman again this year. <laughs> and I, I don't know. To me, this might be a hot take, but this feels like the beginning of the end for Kirk Ferentz, except for the fact that he's like bros with Gary Barta. Like, is he going to fire his son? No. Is this going to get any better? Probably not. Are they going to no. win 10 games this year? Maybe. <laughs> this is It would yeah. fit with Iowa hi- coaching history, which is not hard to learn because there's only like three guys in the history right. of Iowa. Right, but... You know, there's yeah. there's like a period there's like a period where they're pretty good, and then they go seven and five one year, yeah. and then they're zero and twelve the next year. Right, right, and, and then s- it's over. Yeah, so I mean, that's what happened with Forrest Evashevsky. That's what happened with Hayden Fry. Do you remember like when we were first when we were like young in college, like ninety seven, ninety eight, ninety nine? Iowa was atrocious, and that was like the end of Hayden Fry. And then they brought in Ferentz, mm-hmm. I think, in maybe ninety eight or ninety nine. I think maybe it was first year, one of those years. And like he, Ferentz had to like rebuild everything because Fry. Got a couple of years to you know paterno it, mm-hmm. and maybe that's yeah, what we are. Yeah, they got stale and old. Yeah, I mean they have what like two scholarship wide receivers. Uh-huh. Well, yeah, and then they're <laughs> they're hurt. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, like and they they have you know Charlie Chuck Sizzle moved to Purdue, uh-huh. where he's already put up an entire season's worth of Iowa wide receiver production in two games, and got a nickname like Chuck mm-hmm. Sizzle, and. That didn't happen at the, Iowa. The Iowa fans on my Twitter feed are just irate. Yeah. Like and and you know, they they know what Iowa football is. They know that they're never gonna be an explosive offense, but it's just impossible for them to watch. It is so yeah. mind bendingly frustrating. And they got a great defense. They got mm-hmm. but that only makes it worse on one level. Because if you if you yeah. pair that with like mediocrity on the other side of the ball, you're going back to the Big Ten championship game. And and they they don't just have a good defense. They have real talent on defense, which is a thing that they've kind of lacked for a while. So, like, they have a five-star safety out there now. They've got cornerbacks who are getting drafted. And, like, it's not just a defense that is, like, you know, Iowa's always got that great defense. They've got some real players out there. They've built the defense into something that would compete if the offense was even just Iowa standard. And, you know, yeah. their offense is, like, we have a tight end, which Great. You're Iowa. You always have a tight end. Do you have two? They don't even have that. Yep. So, I mean, I, don't, I feel like yeah. I'm a little bit out of over my skis saying, like, Kirk Ferentz is, is going down in the near future. But it just feels like it's gone to another level, and it's directly traceable to an act of heinous nepotism. Mm-hmm. Just, he was... Yeah, yeah. Just like the turtle. And I think it's going to have to take... It's, it's going to have to take some sort of shocking event even as if despite the fact this offense already is shocking enough but you know the comparison i have read a lot this week was when bobby bowden fired his son uh jeff bowden as offensive coordinator at fsu and what triggered that was they got shut out by wake forest (laughs) and i assume they're going to beat i assume they're going to beat nevada this weekend but if they lose to Rutgers and can't move the football and then get blown out by michigan i mean that could force i could force at least uh, him to make a change at offensive coordinator. But yeah, he seems defiant in his press conference regarding his son as the offensive coordinator and regarding Petrus as the quarterback. I, I don't, I mean, I'm, you know, we're talking, you know, the Brian Ferentz issue, but I mean, at some point they have to make a change, I think, at quarterback too, because Spencer Petrus just doesn't have the goods. He doesn't have the accuracy and he doesn't have the athleticism. They can't do any of their patented screen passes because the pressure gets, gets to him too much and bothers him and he can't throw the ball. He, you know, they they had 
they've had screen passes in each of the last two games, totally blocked and ready to go. And he hasn't been able to deliver the ball because the pressure is too much for him on a screen. And, and they're letting that pressure in on purpose. So, I mean, they need, they almost need to go to Padilla just for the athleticism's sake. I know he's six inches smaller than Spencer, but Spencer gets a couple of passes blocked a game anyway already. So well, we who saw cares? Padilla last year. That's the thing. We know Padilla's not good either. I think I think I they had no That's problem true. using Padilla last year and giving him an opportunity. And every time they did, it was like Nope, we got to put Pet- Petrus back in. Petrus back. So, like, that's that's yeah, where they are. That's where they are. All right, I think ah, we've uh, wow. run this Not into good. the ground, just like Brian Ferentz. <laughs> so let's move on to the other worst unit in the conference by talking about Georgia Southern 45, Nebraska 42. The Eagles, I'm going to say. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> they're not they're not the Georgia team that I know. I know Georgia State. Not, yeah. yeah. Uh Georgia Southern puts up six hundred and forty two yards of offense. They run for seven point eight yards a pop. They throw for slightly worse than this, but still seven point three yards a pop. Um and this was a game in which Nebraska was favored by twenty three and a half. Uh <laughs> the numbers from this are just absolutely silly. So uh, either Kyle or Kevin Van Trees, uh, 37 of 56 for 409 yards and a touchdown, two picks, which is the only reason that Nebraska is actually within uh, three points in this game. Wow. There, there were some you know, overturn calls there, too, that might have yeah. made it even worse. I want to point out that Georgia Southern, uh, you know, you're like, ooh, it's a Sunbelt team, and now that suddenly means something. They mm-hmm. were 3-9 and nine last year. <sighs> they hired Clay yeah. Helton. The, <laughs> yeah. Clay, Clay Helton, probably the worst former active U.S. coach to lose to, in my guess. If I did a little ranking, you know, probably <laughs> Lane Kiffin would be the best former USC coach that's active to lose to, and I think Clay Helton would be the worst, and that's what happened. Uh, but, you know, yeah, the media picked them to finish fifth out of the seven teams, Sundelt East and the famous Phil Steele magazine, which I know we all have somewhere on our coffee table, picked them to finish dead last and the primary one of the primary reasons is you know for years georgia southern was an option football team whether they were division two or yeah. whether they were you know in the Sun Belt and clay helton they're 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 in a undergoing a major change uh, as far as offensive philosophy and in their second game they walked into memorial stadium and put up 642 yards nobody that's the record for an opposing team and Nebraska was 214 and 0 when they scored 34, 35 or more points at home. They're now 214 and one. <laughs> they so, were scrounging I mean, for just, stats. Just a, it's, but like they put that stat up there when like Nebraska is up by three in one of these you know three point games again, and it's just like everyone knows what's coming. Like right. I mean, Scott Frost does not just like. He doesn't get blown out in these games. They're always close enough where you can look back, but like the the metrics are moving more and more <laughs> against him to the point of, yeah. of absurdity. Right. Um, absolutely, everybody knew what was coming. I was reading Mitch Sherman's article in the Atlanta in the Athletic rather this morning, and apparently during Georgia Southern's final drive, Casey Thompson and Marcus Washington, they were teammates last year at Texas. Mm-hmm. Apparently, they were. They were going back and forth with each other about how, wow, this is just reminding me of the Kansas game last year. We know what's going to happen here. Remember Texas lost to Kansas last year in an yes. absolute shootout. 
I mean, I just, I just, I spit on my coffee when I read that. I was a little surprised that he reported that, to be honest with you. <laughs> but you know what? All bets are off right now in the land of. <laughs> Well, and then, I mean, they, they also lose because they can't hit a 52-yard field goal when they come to the end. So, like, special teams yeah. still kind of part of the story. I mean, this is... You know, as far as special teams mishaps for Nebraska go, that's way down the list. I know. I'm just... It's right, still, exactly. If you're trying to encapsulate everything bad about the Scott Frost era, like, this game pretty much did the trick. Well, his buyout drops by half midseason. I don't think they're going to fire him midseason, but I think we've seen the end of Scott Frost. I mean... Yeah, I think so. I mean, this was, I mean, you point out like, oh, they're almost there. They're going to break through. They're, you know, they, they, they have a good team. They're just really unlucky and they have bad special teams that they have a special teams coach. And then this game blows that narrative out of the water because it's not like cause yeah. this, they, they win, they lose one score games to good teams. They're just snake bit. It's going to get better. You can't lose to Georgia Southern with in year one and no. a half of Clay Helton with by giving them 642 yards of offense. That's that's like game over. So you think that's why Alex sat out of the podcast? Because he, he is the guy who picked Nebraska to win the Big Ten West this year? Uh, <laughs> I'm I'm going to say there it was a factor. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, I, I, I actually don't think they're – I don't think they're close at all. They have, they have no depth. The defense is terrible – but the 11 guys they play on defense are the only 11 guys they play. They played, they faced 86 snaps yesterday and they had their entire back seven play at least 83 snaps. So there's just no, there's no pipeline. They, they, um, the, the roster was not in great shape when Frost got there, but in year five, he has not done anything to improve it. In fact, it's arguably it's worse. They, they just don't have any defensive depth. They don't have any defensive stars. Um, as far as recruiting goes, they've brought in 10 four-star defensive players from 2019 to 2021. Seven aren't even on the roster anymore. Um, their whole 2020 defensive back uh, recruiting class left. And overall, offense and defense, half that recruiting class has already left. So, I mean, it's just not – the roster's not there. And this is a perfect time to cut bait because, I mean, it's just not – it's just not a very talented uh, – just not a very talented roster outside of a few players on offense and a couple edge pieces on defense. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's lights out there. Uh, speaking of yeah. coaches who might be getting a little hot under the collar, Washington State 17, Wisconsin 14. Uh, one, this game featured two plays on which someone intercepted a pass and then immediately fumbled it back to the offense. So yeah. <laughs> if... If you think El Asico yeah. got in the water, I kind of agree with you. Uh, Wisconsin cannot capitalize on a large total net yards advantage, 253 to 401. They missed a couple field goals. One of them came up short, and it was from 43 yards, which is like, what's on there? I mean, Graham yeah. Mertz is okay. The problem is you're playing Washington State, and you're rushing for four yards a carry. Yeah, and Washington State, let's they were not expected to be a very good you know they're not good Washington State. Yeah, yeah. This is not like scare you mm. throws of all over the place, and and they weren't that. I mean, Wisconsin's defense was fine in this game. They were shutting them down. Like Washington State throws the ball, so like yeah, two hundred fifty three yards, seventeen points. That should be enough to win. Yeah, but yeah, the, they I mean they have eleven penalties in this game. Mm-hmm. Wisconsin does, so that gives mm-hmm. them back a big chunk of their yardage advantage, and then. That ground game that we thought got fixed last year, kind of mid-season. I mean, this is this was a struggle. Yeah, it really was. I think that um, I, 
you know, if you had told me beforehand that Washington State was going to win this game, I figured that, you know, they aerated it up. They put up well over 30 points. Um, and, and somehow they won in the end, even though Braylon Allen got over 200 yards. Instead, he was held to under 100 yards for just the second time since he's, since he's been a starter. Um, you mentioned the penalties. Um, this is usually a team that finishes in the top 25 in penalties committed, but 11 penalties for over 100 yards yesterday. A couple 25-plus yard gains were wiped out on penalties. Uh, they had a couple chop blocks throughout the course of the game, and then total Paul Chris style, they somehow had a delay of game coming out of a timeout. That was ridiculous. <laughs> um, uh, but I think that it's, it's missed opportunities. Wisconsin had drives of 50, 43, 50, and 56 yards that they did not get points out of they uh, missed a pair of field goals and they uh, had an interception and they turned it over on downs on those four drives those four drives represented 50 of their 75 plays and 60 percent of their total yards and they they just came up uh they came up empty and in a three-point game you know just a couple field goals even on those drives and they win yeah and i mean we've had discussions about paul christ like not being that great I mean, he fixed the turtle stuff, but he, he was... did. But like, he's the quarterbacks coach. He's the offensive coordinator. Right. <laughs> like, this is another situation where, like, yeah. like it's fair. It's like Ferentz, where like the good part of your team is not your part. Mm-hmm. And right. I mean, at one point, do you have your like ready-made Jim Leonard accession happen? Right. That or just bring yeah. back Burt. <laughs> Because Illinois, actually, I won't get to them in a second. But no, they're, they're, I mean, no, they're not going <laughs> to. No, but yeah, but Jim Leonard seems like the, you know, he's been, their defense was great in this game again. And, and their defense is, like, going to keep them in most games this year and probably still has them favorites for the Big Ten West. Um, I also, I mean, the penalties, Wisconsin football is kind of like Wisconsin basketball where, like, you know, the penalties <laughs> seem to disappear in the Big Ten. And, yes. um I mean, they're the kind of things. I'm not gonna. I'm not going into like conspiracy deal here. I'm just like the Big Ten doesn't tend to call most holding. They tend to let you get away with a little bit of, you know. I mean, I don't think that's a really a reason that you lose to Washington State. Like their their penalties were not subtle, right? <laughs> yeah. So no. I mean, I, I I don't know. I've never really been a Paul Chris believer, but they tend to win the West. And I mean, at this point, who knows what's gonna happen? Mm-hmm. Like. I, yeah, you could tell me that any one of these teams would win the West, and I'd be like, "Well, not Iowa." <laughs> I, right. We could throw all the jokes into the pot, and yet nothing would surprise us as far as who would who would come out on top. I mean, it would. It's hard not to still favor Wisconsin because they have a really good defense, and on the offense, they at least still have Braylon Allen. But I mean, these games are just. I mean, it's just like Pac-12 after dark, but Big Ten West. <laughs> I mean, anything goes. It's already been. A ridiculous two weeks on that side of the conference. Yes, our last uh, example of Big Ten West incompetence is Duke 31, Northwestern 23. Duke races out to a 21 nothing lead. Uh, Northwestern <laughs> is on the verge of maybe tying it. They're down eight, and uh, Jordan Hull fumbles the ball. This was a game where uh, Northwestern could not run the ball at all, and uh, Ryan Holinsky the Ryan Helinski throws 60 times and 14 of these go to the running back, Evan Hull for 213 receiving yards. <laughs> so this mm-hmm. was a very strange outing. I mean, they uh, only pick up five rushing first downs, 20 passing and 
It's and I mean they're down big early, so I guess that's not that surprising. But they go for it six times on fourth down and they make it zero times. So there were a hmm. lot of hinge plays in this game that just didn't come up for Northwestern. Yeah, it actually was a very entertaining game. It was going on at the same time as Alabama-Texas, so probably not a whole lot of people watched it. But you mentioned Duke raced out on touchdowns on their first three drives at 21 nothing, and then the whole rest of the game was just spent watching Northwestern slowly but surely claw back into the game, pretty much on the legs of Evan Hall. 278 total yards. Um, he was incredible, but unfortunately for him, it was the full Ernest Biner experience because he fumbled on his way into the end zone trying to tie tie the game at the end, although they would have still needed to make the two-point conversion, so it wasn't uh, necessarily for the tie. But, um, yeah, not not good for Northwestern. Remember, the Nebraska offense pretty much had their way with them two weeks ago in week zero, and now the Duke offense did this. You know, they had uh, 200-yard receivers, and they had two running backs go over 83 yards. Uh, you know, uh, this does not look like um, in year two of the new defensive coordinator that it's gotten any better. And offensively, I really wasn't that impressed with Ryan Holinsky. If he wasn't throwing it and dumping it off the hall and letting Hall do his work with his legs, I mean, Duke had 14 pass breakups in this game, and they weren't hard pass breakups. It was just a lot of telegraph passes, not a lot of zip on it. It, it was just like watching a, watching a bunch of lazy post passes being defended by a really good post defender. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I was not, not that encouraged despite Holinsky's numbers. They ran 94 plays in this game, which was incredible, but yet Duke still had a 7.8 to 5.4 yards per play advantage. So that's a big red flag. I, I think Nebraska, or sorry, not Nebraska. I think Northwestern, um, it has a much greater fear of all the things that Michigan fans are panicking about in the NIL transfer era where like they <laughs> They got gutted, right? Like their safety goes to Notre Dame, not to the NFL, and they, yeah. and like they, they've been doing really well, I think, at recruiting offensive line talent. But that's that's more scouting than you know stars, right? That's like the position where mm-hmm. that matters the least. And like they looked very well coached. I just think that their mm-hmm. talent acquisition problems are have been exacerbated by recent events and you know other teams can bring in a quarterback when they're desperate and Northwestern they were able to get transfers when you could get grad transfers right and they could they mm-hmm, could sometimes mm-hmm. patch a whole quarterback and this year they couldn't this year they were like well we've got to ride, ride with Helinski who himself was a transfer but like you know they they couldn't get in the market and they were definitely in the market yeah. all off season so you know that's it, this is a game where if you had a quarterback who could throw it they probably come back and win. And that's, oh, I agree. I agree. Yeah. So like Northwestern, Michigan fans know what the fear is. It hasn't really hit us yet, but it's definitely hitting Northwestern. Yeah. All right. Uh, they really though on defense, they could not handle Duke's Duke's uh, athleticism in space on defense. That was that was pretty eye opening right from the jump. All right. Moving on to the only outpost of competence in that division. Illinois 24, Virginia 3, a near inversion of last year's game. Yes. Virginia cannot move the ball at all. They rush for a total of 26 yards. And Illinois, Tommy DeVito throws a pick on his first pass of the day, and then their running back fumbled shortly after. And usually this is like, all right, this is how Illinois loses a game 37-12. to 12. And it just didn't matter mm-hmm. because they locked down a power five offense. 
Yeah, that defense looked uh, very impressive. They um, gave up 556 yards last year to Brennan Armstrong in Virginia, only 222 this year. They didn't sack him once. They sacked him five times this year. Um, yeah, they they look really good. I might have to do a deep dive on that on that defense and maybe rewatch this because in the state of the Big Ten West, if that defense can play like that all fall with Chase Brown running the football, they 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 could have they could have something in this division. They they really could. Yeah, I, I, was... I mean Chase Brown's been phenomenal. Chase Brown's been phenomenal. One fifty one, one ninety nine, and one forty six in the three games so far. I wanted to speak something into existence. Illinois Big Ten West champions. I mean, I was dancing around it without saying it. I was I, dancing around without saying. I, it. I mean, I'm I'm ready to go just because like the rest of the Big Ten West is so bad. But like they yeah. graduated. That you talked about that defense and the talent on the defense. They lost a lot of talent this offseason. You know, they they had a safety yeah. go early in the, and then they, they had a bunch of other guys become undrafted free agents. They lost yeah. a lot of talent on that side of the ball and. Look yeah. even better than they did last year, um, you know. And yeah, Brett I mean Bielema's... that was the big story last year. Going into this, the big story going last year about the roster going into the season was how many six-year seniors they had on both sides of the ball. Right, and Bielema. Well, I really like, thought this knows... was going to be. I thought this was going to be a troubling year for Brett. I really, or for Bert, <laughs> rather. <laughs> well, I'm saying he knows that he knows the Big Ten West better than anybody, right? Yeah. Like, I don't know if that's sure. the explanation. I mean, he knows where Wisconsin keeps all the the. Paxalskis or whatever their names are, right? Well, yeah. Um, do we have Do we have anything to say about the any of the blowouts? So let's go through them by numbers. Ohio State forty five, Arkansas twelve, Penn State forty six, Ohio ten, Minnesota sixty two, Western Illinois ten, Maryland fifty six, Charlotte twenty one, Purdue fifty six, Indiana State zero, Michigan State fifty two, Akron zero. Uh, Indiana, this isn't a blowout. Thirty-five, Idaho twenty-two. Idaho was actually up ten nothing at halftime. Um, do, does anybody have a Thanks thought? Thanks for reminding on me on any of this. I I have one thought. Well, you, I'm uh, go for it. Sorry that we all thought after the first game that Ohio State's defense was significantly improved. Yeah, and that might have been an opponent factor because another team's <laughs> offense does okay. not look that strong. That's true. That's, that's very true. That's that's accurate. I mean, yeah. Arkansas well, I, State. I hate to bring cool... I hate to bring Rutgers into the conversation, but they beat Wagner sixty six to seven. And since Greg Schiano has taken over Rutgers, the Scarlet Knights have nine wins, and in that same time, Nebraska only has seven. Cool beans. Uh, I I do think we might have uh, a little bit of something to say about that Indiana game because that was way <laughs> too close for comfort. And I mean. They were down ten nothing at halftime, and Connor Bazelak goes into a game against the now FCS Vandals and comes out with just 197 passing yards. Not good, not good. I have to admit, I was afraid to look up to see if Idaho was FBS or FCS because the game was going so ugly. I just didn't want to know because I was like, I don't think they're FBS anymore. <laughs> they, they dropped down because they couldn't um, find a conference. Yeah, they, they, they're uh, so they. Well, I remember I, I used to play with them. They, in NCAA football because they were like the worst possible team. So I know that they play in Moscow. Oh, that's, that's why I was a UMass. <laughs> and, their, and their stadium is the Moscow Dome, or at least it was. It's probably called like the ConAgra Dome at this point, but whatever. Anyway, I'm just rambling. Well, the whole, whole trouble started for Indiana when they got stuffed at the goal line because for the zillionth year in a row, they can't get any push on the offensive line or run the football. And then Idaho went on an, it went on an Iowa State type of drive 
you know, where they covered the whole field and scored a touchdown and went up seven, nothing. And then they got another field goal after a turnover, but like watching that whole thing play out. And I'm like, this isn't good. <laughs> this, this isn't good. They dominated the third quarter, but I mean, you can't get pushed against Idaho and score and, and, and get in the end zone. And from there, the whole game almost unravels. I mean, just not, not good. I, I, I'm I'm back. I've been I'm back off of Tom Allen. <laughs> okay. Wow. I don't I don't know about him. I mean, he, I don't know. All right. Well, I guess I want. We'll see how Indiana does if they ever eliminate divisions in the in the Big Ten. But I just feel like when you have four guaranteed losses on your schedule, you need to show up a little bit more against Idaho. This is why we're tuning in, man. You know, these are wins for us. We want to feel good about these games, and you can't. So, not good. All right. Well, thanks for talking. I think to they're going to be last again in the Big Ten East. I think they're going to be last again in the Big Ten East. Thank you for tuning in to this year's quarterback battle. I'm Seth Fisher with Brian Cook and David Astrid.